Welcome to Breaking Down the Buzz, the podcast where we explore the thrilling world of tech industry leaders. From AI to the latest trends, we cut through the noise and decode the tech buzz and share our collective insights and insider knowledge. Welcome back to Breaking Down the Buzz, where we dive deep into the tech world's most fascinating personalities. Today, we're thrilled to have a very special guest. He's a wizard in the digital realm and a certified guru in information security. Meet Clay Westbay, the Vice President of Support and Delivery at Synergy Technical. But hold on, there's more to Clay than meets the eye. When he's not safeguarding digital landscapes, you can find him pushing the limits as an Ironman triathlete. That's right, endurance, resilience, and a can-do attitude, both in tech and on the track. And on a personal note, he's not just a tech superstar, he's also a great friend and an inspiring figure to many. So without further ado, let's welcome Clay Westbay to Breaking Down the Buzz. Clay, thank you for joining us on Breaking Down the Buzz, and welcome to Synergy Technical. I don't think you've ever been here before. Ah, it's good to be here. This is a great place. I you like it? I'd love to work like here. It. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's good. That's actually a good thing. Um, so I thought it would be fun for us to talk about sort of what we see as important for 2024, since we're recording this on the 21st of December, um, and it'll launch Hard in early believe. January. I know. It's going to be 2024. Yeah. Sure. How on earth? When did you join us at Synergy? 2013, I believe, at the end of 2013. Wow. You were just a little, little kid back then. <laughs> It's been a while, so it's been a while. Decade. Been a, a decade. You like to say that a decade. Yeah, it's, it's yeah a decade. A decade feels feels good. A decade working with me. Who could ask for more? <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about the the elephant in the room first of all, and that would be generative AI. Everybody's talking about generative AI and kind of what it's doing. What do you think for twenty twenty four? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm excited because I feel like. You know, we've been in that buzz and that hype period, which is great. Um, we're getting to hear about all the possibilities and the cool things that could come. But I feel like 2024 is really going to be the year where um, we get to see a lot of that come to fruition with within our organization and with our customers. Um, and so um, the actual building, I guess, starts to happen. Right. And and uh, um, I think I think that's that's going to be. Um, great for a lot of things um, that I know we're going to talk about today, but, um, you know, in terms of uh, what our customers um, are thinking about, it's it's how do I prepare for that? So I know we're going to touch on that today, but I know that those are many of the questions that you and I are getting on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, what I would say is that, first of all, Anybody, if you think generative AI is not happening in your organization, you're just flat out wrong. I, I can promise you that someone is using ChatGPT with your data. I, I mean, for sure. Sure. Um, I I think that there are some things that are important that we need to be thinking about. Security, for sure. Um, but even skilling people up on generative AI. So we have folks in our organization, not necessarily on the technical side, but more on the operation side, who are playing around with it and aren't necessarily getting what they want out of it. 
And I, I do think that there's some skilling that needs to happen across all organizations around when you're using generative AI, how, how do you prompt? It's sort of like you wouldn't walk into a deli and say, make me a sandwich. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, the search is absolutely going to get better with this generative AI. So, um, you know, being able to comb all of that data within your organization and, um, and, and get a clean output, you know, is, is going to be, um, you know, right at the forefront of every user. So I think that's the big reason why you and I are getting a lot of the conversations around how do I make sure that only people have access to what they should have access to. Right. And, um, you know, we've got this, we've got organizations out there with orphan data, um, that, that, you know, has IP in it, that has um, sensitive information that, um, has just been sitting there for a while and people have had access to it and they, they really didn't, uh, shouldn't, and they didn't know they had it, but now we're generating content yeah. in natural language, um, with all of this. So it's going to be really important that access reviews are in place and, and all that's actually yeah. taking place to start. Yeah. You know, even from a synergy perspective, so we, we're what would be called a born in the cloud organization where we have never had on-premise workloads. Um, you know, we, we started as a cloud partner day one and we were in office 365 from like literally the very first day when I, when I got the business license for, for the company. Um, and that's great, but it has some challenges. So as we were doing our review, preparing for Copilot specifically, one of the things that we were looking at was what data has been shared and with whom. And one of the things that people don't think about is, particularly like with OneDrive, if you have shared a file in OneDrive and you have shared it via a link, then basically what that means is that anyone within your organization that has access to that link now has access to that data. So it is possible that I could have maybe shared a comp plan with you for someone in your organization. And while that was shared between the two of us, it's a link that is available to anybody within Synergy Technical. And so one of the things that people really need to think about are how do I go through my data and determine where data has been shared that while it may seem like it has been privately shared, it ne hasn't necessarily been privately shared. And how do I fix that? And I think that organizations need to get ahead of that um, prior to rolling out these tools because, boy, you don't want to have a whoopsie. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think what we saw a lot of during the pandemic from a lot of organizations that were um, racing to get into the cloud because their workforce was spread all over the place and, right. and um, they needed immediate solution. Um, a, a lot of those um, sharing capabilities and, and permissions and access review type conversations and, and got overlooked. Yeah, um, for speed. For speed, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got to get there, we got to get there now. Um, and now, you know, a lot of people are coming back and saying, hey, can you help us look at what we have in place? Because we know we probably have some holes and right. we need to, to plug those up. Um, right, right. The other interesting thing about generative AI for me, um, I was just watching something and it was related more to 
um, the stock price for Google. Uh, and, and it was something around, you know, what technologies do you want to invest in? And this analyst was saying, you know, I expect that Google, I'm not saying this is going to happen, let me be clear, but this analyst was saying, I expect that Google's stock price should, is going to start to fall a bit because with the adoption of generative AI tools like ChatGPT or Bing Chat or whatever, people are no longer using Google for search because when you use a search engine, it will give you kind of all of the places that you can go look and research that content. Whereas when you use a tool like like a, a Bing Chat or a Copilot or a ChatGPT, not only will it give you those those resources, but it will summarize them for you and it'll basically do the research for you. And so what's happening, and I know this has happened with me, is there's a shift to using the generative AI tools to search for answers rather than the the Bing search or the Google search or the the whatever. I'm glad it's not just me. (laughs) No, (laughs) I do it every day. I mean, literally every single day I I research something. So so yeah, Um, I think other things that that we need to really be thinking about are the regulatory side of that. Um, So, you know, if you have data that has compliance requirements, you need to be thinking about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I, and, and I think this is where Microsoft really shines and, you know, all of the work that they've put into the Microsoft purview, uh, right. compliance suite is really going to pay off. And I think customers are really going to find that beneficial as, as you know, it's a key component of preparing, um, for, for generative AI in your organization. Um, and, and I think that the security compliance um, um, demands are only going to uh, strengthen in 2024 on customers. Right. Um, so that, you know, we I just attended a, a cybersecurity panel uh, recently with Adrian and a couple other folks from our team. And, um, you know, the, the, that was a big topic of, of right. uh, what organizations were talking about. Um, and, and, you know, one of the big components um, that organizations are talking about around security and compliance is really um, getting their whole organization involved and not just their security team. So, you know, educating uh, their workforce on, um, on, on security and compliance and what to be on the lookout for um, in, in those areas. So, um, in trying to get them engaged and excited about security, which isn't always the easiest. Until <laughs> you get breached. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you get excited real fast, um, I would say. But, but, you know, I think um, the, the, the insider risk uh, focus is going to pick up in 2024 for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I can uh, see that. So, yeah, it all, it all uh, you know, it all brings uh, a lot of challenges, but it also brings a lot of great things that I think we're going to see with, um, you know, people being able to um, do things in natural language and build a natural language it's that so much faster. otherwise took a lot of specialized yeah. skills and, and, and yeah. uh, really skilled talent that, that there's a real shortage of out there today. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of things that are exciting, but I think Generative AI is one of the most exciting, if not the most exciting thing that has happened in technology uh, 
possibly in my lifetime, honestly. I mean, there, there's been some really cool things, the internet, you know, because I'm of the generation prior to the internet. Um, but generative AI is just moving things so much faster than anything we've ever seen before. You know, flying cars, they're coming. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm absolutely waiting. I'm getting off the road. Yeah, right. I mean, there's an argument around self-driving cars. This is totally off topic. But there's an argument around self-driving cars. And actually, um, my husband, Jonathan, and I were having this conversation one day when we were sitting in traffic. And we the dis, this discussion that we had, because, you know, we're two IT geeks, was if everyone was in a self-driving car, would there be traffic anymore? Because in theory, you know, the whole one person slows down and slows everybody else down thing wouldn't be happening. So would there be traffic anymore? Or would there be more traffic? Because the scenario where a self-driving car maybe drives up, you get out and there's no parking spaces and now it's driving around the block over and over again. What if you have everybody doing that? <laughs> so, you know, there, there's... And, and, and you've got more people that maybe didn't want to get out because they didn't want to drive, but now it's driving for yes. them, so I'm going to get out more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's also true. You know, you're right. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. Not one of our predictions for 2024, <laughs> but yet still somewhat interesting. Um all right, so other things to think about. I, one of the things that I believe we'll, we'll really start to see more of in 2024 are the prevalence of the low-code applications and tool sets like Power Automate. Um, really, you know, as, as we get more AI tool sets, I think that the combination of low flow, or excuse me, low flow, low code applications and AI is going to give people the ability to automate things faster than, than we had seen previously. Sure. So I, that for me is super interesting. And I do think we're going to see a lot of that. I'm, you know, I don't know if you're seeing any of that with your team now. No, I, you know, our, um, our, our business app team, um, you know, I, I think they're excited about, um, you know, being able to, to, like I said, put together things in natural language and, um, and, and speed up some of the processes and things that they have today, you know, that, right. that take some digging into and, and, and some real development. Um, but, you know, um, I think, you know, it's exciting to be kind of see some of the features coming down the road where, you know, we can be coding um, something and then all of a sudden be prompted for, did you think about, you know, adding this line right. or um, did you check this or would you like to add this? Let me go ahead and add it for right. you. Um, so th I think they're definitely excited about that. Yeah. And I think even, you know, if you take the, the technical team out of it. So, again, we have a, a an amazing technical team that can solve almost every any business process challenge that they run into. Um, if if I put my old CIO hat on and you put your old IT leader hat on, there were so many things that business users would come to IT with and say, can you help me automate this process? That while they were important, when you work in IT, you generally have a queue of project work that's you know as tall as me deep. You, you just do. 
And so some of those things that while they would be value add, sort of never got surfaced up to priorities for the organization. Sure. And I do think that these the the low code applications and, and tool sets like Power Automate are going to give individuals that maybe aren't necessarily technical the ability to automate some things that wouldn't historically have been able to do so. Sure. You know, um, things like take this email and when I receive it, write this data here or update this spreadsheet or whatever. That That's something that historically would have probably come to IT, but maybe doesn't have to yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, building those flows out doesn't have to be so technical and complex anymore. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, your standard uh, user can can take on some of those things. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that that's going to lend itself to a necessary skill set of probably business process mapping. You know, you could really easily run into a scenario where you had all these crazy flows that weren't necessarily put together in a logical fashion. So I, I do think that that skill and it is a skill of being able to map a business process is going to be really really necessary but it, i do think that there's an opportunity for a lot of really cool things to get done and not even necessarily simplistic things but but just coding can happen faster for sure basically yeah yeah um so let's talk about the shortage in it skills that we know exists um, what do you think about IT staffing in 2024 and what's yeah, going to happen I, mean, I think I think you know we're running into a convergence of all of these different things coming together at, at the same time and so um, I think you know um, there's the laggards to cloud right the the folks that still have some legacy apps or services that they need to move, they know they need to move to cloud right. or the vendor is maybe forcing them to cloud now, right? right. Because it's, it's time to go. They, they've got to sunset that product or whatever right. it is. Um, and so you've got that happening. So um, while at the same time, the organization is trying to digest everything we just talked about with security and compliance around generative AI and how they're going to handle that. Um, and, and so, and then at the same time, you've got this, real shortage in the industry and, and not just the IT industry, but in, in a lot of different industries of, you know, really skilled senior resources in a lot of different areas. So, um, and then, and then you've got AI saying, okay, you can do more with less now. Right. Um, so it's just, it's an interesting, uh, 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 bit that's coming together here in 2024. Um, and so I, I do think that organizations, um, will struggle a little bit with um, not having that senior talent, but um, they'll look to AI to maybe offset that. Um, and I know, um, you know, a trend that's been happening over time is is taking really smart recent college graduates, yep. training them up within your because we do it. We do it all and, the time. Uh, and and so that that trend is just um, going to continue. And I think you know they're they're. Uh, organizations are just going to continue to pour into those really um, uh, junior resources and, and try to build them up to kind of fill this gap. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think what we're seeing certainly is, um, you know, it's a weird market because there are a lot of IT folks that have been laid off or um, let go for, for one reason or another. And I think we've, we've seen that all across the industry. Um, but there's seems to be a shortage of the, the really super technical, deep into the weeds niche type folks, um, which are often the folks that we're looking for because, you know, we're, when someone engages us, they're looking for a, a really deep expert in a technology. And so I think those folks are really, really difficult to find. I think that, you know, if you're looking for a mid-level manager, those people are around. Um, but if you're looking for somebody who can, who can really dig in, they're harder to find. Um, Conversely, I think it was a tough market for for kids graduating from school this year because while they might be really, really smart and really technically adept, they don't necessarily have experience. And so, again, for, for an organization like ours, we can't hire somebody straight out of college and bill $225 an hour for them. I You know, any CIO worth their their salt, their grain is going to say, you, you're, you're smoking something. No, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't build me that little kid for that kind of price. Um, so I know that what we're seeing is that we're hiring kids out of school and investing in them for a good couple of years and having them sort of shadow projects and be junior to more senior folks um, to get them to where they need to be. But it, it's, it's odd because, you know, Four or five years ago, I think we probably could have found kids coming out of school that had that deep experience because those internships were available. And I, I think internships maybe got hurt over the past couple of years, too. Sure. But it, it's it's been a weird market for sure. Yeah. With, yeah. With staffing. Yeah. And it just, again, I think, um, you know, uh, if I'm an organization that is, like I said, maybe maybe a laggard and I'm, I'm being pushed um, into cloud. And so I've got, um, you know, uh, all of these different projects and initiatives happening, but I've got these really junior resources. It could, could, could be yeah. a real challenge. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and then, like I said, at the same time, trying to wrap their heads around generative AI and what that's bringing into the organization right. at the same time. So right. I think, I think 2024 is going to be interesting. I also think one of the trends, you know, We've helped a ton of organizations obviously move move to cloud, but um, and then with the pandemic, a lot of organizations have kind of tr- changed their um, how their staff works. A lot of you know some companies are 100% remote, right? Some are you know 80 to 90% remote, um, but that corporate network hasn't really changed very much. So I think um, I think you know CIOs and, and leadership are, are going to be taking a fresh look and seeing. You know, we used to have our data center in, in in this private data center, or even at our corporate headquarters. Do we really, you know, need this type of network architecture? Do we need these appliances, this equipment? Right. I think some of that's going to be getting taken a taking a closer look at to see if if there's some efficiencies to be had there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think, and we we have this as a topic that the cloud adoption trends are are certainly going to change a little bit um, 
we're seeing a lot more now, and I think we'll continue to see multi-cloud environments. You know, there are, are a lot of companies that aren't necessarily comfortable having all of their data at Microsoft or all of their data at AWS or in Google and, and are looking to, to distribute that a little bit um, or a lot. Um, the other thing is that, you know, a lot of organizations have have applications now that are, are cloud native. And so they're, they're trying to take those cloud native applications and integrate them with applications that aren't necessarily cloud native. And so we're certainly seeing a lot of that. Um, there is a focus on sustainability, certainly. You know, a lot of organizations are, are waking up to, um, we maybe need to make some changes in how we do things and, and our technology has to have a better sustainable impact. Um, so we're certainly seeing that. I think the biggest thing though that we're gonna see is multi-cloud environments. It's funny because um, our conversations 10 years ago were, um, I think this cloud thing's gonna take off. And yes. Organizations are telling us, I'm not so sure it's gonna take off and I don't think we're ready to do that. And uh, now it's multi-cloud. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's quite, the, quite the change. It's been quite the <laughs> journey, hasn't it? Although I can say, and you know who they are, there are organizations that we were talking to 10 years ago about moving to the cloud because we started synergy with the thought that the cloud is the future. And, and you know, it, we were right. Um, thank goodness, because I quit my job as a CIO to do that. Um, but there are organizations that now, just now, are signing their first statement of work to move to the cloud that we were talking to 10 years ago. And I know you know sure. who they are. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Um, anything else you want to talk about for 2024? What's what's on the triathlon schedule? This is an important question. Definitely shorter races. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> shorter. No um, more Ironmans? I don't know about more uh, races, <laughs> but definitely shorter in duration. Uh, yes. And then my kids are getting into... Um, endurance sports now so oh that's I'm, fun I'm, I'm becoming a, a supporter are you a supporter or are you a pacer <laughs> i'm a pacer um my wife tends to be the pacer and i i, I tend to be more of the supporter the cheerleader and, yeah the cheerleader and uh you know just the logistics manager so and, and i have that project management background that's so true that's, that's true project management <laughs> and security it all comes into play when you're when you're out there. Awesome. I'm looking forward to 2024. I think we're going to have a great year. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I'm looking forward to just seeing all of the great things, not only that our staff do, because they do great things every day, but right. that, that our customers do and, and um, that we get to help them with. Uh, yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah.